Hello, lovely listeners, friends. I'm really excited about this episode. It's going to be a long one. It is an hour long. Don't be afraid. You can listen to it, you know, over a couple of hours, a couple of days, you know, check in or just listen to the whole thing. One whole hour of Damian Ross and I talking about life. But If you take away one thing from this episode, I want you to remember you are never too old and you are never too young to reinvent yourself. So sit back, relax, get a cup of coffee or listen while you drive and enjoy this episode with my good friend, Damien Ross. Welcome to Business as Unusual. Business as Unusual is a podcast for marketing agencies and businesses that want to go beyond the ordinary and become extraordinary. My name is Kelly Mirabella, and I am your hostess with the mostest. I am a business and digital marketing strategist with over 14 years of marketing industry experience. On this podcast, you will learn how to create an extraordinary business through marketing, sales, and foundational strategies. You will also hear ways you can work with your clients to create win-win solutions. So whether you are just starting out or you're looking to take your business to the next level, this podcast is for you. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a quick story. Please. This, This is part of it. This is what made me reach out to you, Dee. I recently just launched this new program and I had someone message me and she said, I'm turning 50. I think she said, I'm turning 52 in a week. And I feel like maybe I'm too old to start something new. Mm -hmm. I was all, okay. So I sent her back a whole bunch of voice messages because that's how I communicate. I'm like, I'm not going to type this out. This is too heavy. And I was like, listen, I'm 41. You probably think I'm too young to give you advice. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you a story instead. And I told her your story. And yeah, I was like, we're going to go through the story today. But I basically told her how you're 10 years older than me, almost to the dot and like a day off really. And how you basically did this crazy fucking thing in the middle of a pandemic. It was during the pandemic. I got the first issue ever right here. Yeah, there it is. January, February, 2020. This was like crazy people. So I I tell her the story about how you were let go from your job and you were like distraught. And I know that you went through a little depression and then it was like, you did this crazy fucking thing in the middle of a pandemic. Like who starts a, you know, print magazine (laughs) and here you did it. And now you're wildly successful. You launched another magazine. You like bought a ton of land. You started, you're building an empire. So I tell her the story. And she replies back. She goes, that's all I needed to hear. That's amazing. And she Mm. signed up. Now, mind you, I was like, don't sign up because I'm telling you this story. Just, I want you, if you take away anything from this conversation to know that you can reinvent yourself at any age. I reinvent myself probably every day. (laughs) (laughs) So that leads me to you. I told her the story and I thought about it. And I was like, a lot of people our age, probably over the age of 40, 50, you start questioning that. You start thinking about, am I happy? We have the midlife crisis for a reason. A lot of people do think they're too old to start. And so it's easy for us to say, who's the Kentucky fried chicken guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Colonel Sanders. Yeah. He started his business like in his 60s. You have Oprah Winfrey became hugely popular later on in life. You have just all these famous people who are really freaking successful 
like Vera Wang. And then people are like, yeah, but they're famous. Okay. So let's talk about real people. And that's why I was like, I have to reach out to Dee. You have to tell us your story yourself. We have to talk. We got to talk about it. That's what we're going to do today. Yeah. Let's start. Let's go back. If you don't mind, how open book are we going to be today? I'll be open book. There's nothing off limits. Because I think you're one of my favorite people, honestly. And I think I've told you this. I love people who've come from rough roads and have made themselves so cool and so much better. And you're like one of the coolest, totally awesome down to earth people I know who won't give you shit. They're just like, they're going to say it what it is, but I respect that about you. Same. Thank you. So Damien, let's go way back in time. Let's give them like, like not the silver spoon upbringing, Damien. Like you had quite an interesting upbringing with how your parents like were in media and stuff, but you also grew up like in situations that most kids don't grow up in. Like you were like no. LA's finest. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I always say I was born in Seattle. I learned to talk in Boston, walk in New York and run in Los Angeles. I think probably right around first grade, we moved to LA. My parents were both actors. So that's where you see they were finishing school in Seattle, Boston and New York, where they were doing off-Broadway. And then they came to LA to pursue television. We moved into really an all black neighborhood. There hadn't been a white person living there for 50 years, I think. And my parents were just, they're different people in this sense that they, I hate the term, they're not colorblind because I think they see people for their differences and it just, they don't care care. that they're different in any way. Like I grew up with my next door neighbor was Jehovah Witness. The Mexican kid down the street was Catholic probably the one white kid that I really became friends with was Mormon. I had this like weird like thing going on and my parents just never cared. Like nothing bothered them. I lived, our neighborhood was pretty gang infested. It wasn't South Central. And sorry, cut out for a second. It wasn't South, South Central. Yeah, it was mid-city, Los Angeles. So our our grocery store and liquor store burnt down in the 92 riots. And Mm. my parents got the hell out of that neighborhood right after the riots, even though it was so great. My parents left the city during the riots and the neighborhood really protected my childhood home. Like they like just nothing's going to happen to these people's homes. They've been in this city for 25 years. We've lived there or something. So it it definitely was different, real melting pot kind of situation. And I got in some big trouble my junior year in high school. My parents pulled a, you know, fresh prince that they sent me out (laughs) to the Valley for my senior year. And which in hindsight and everyone, um, was a bad choice just because growing up in LA, ah, you're smoking weed and drinking beer. You go out to the Valley day one, it's cocaine, heroin, right? Like just People don't control. realize that until it's too late. It's like you put a kid in a rich neighborhood. They're not doing pot. <laughs> right. like, we had the same problem pot. in my, where I grew up was like very affluent, white, rich kids. And like everyone, all the teenagers in my high school had heroin addiction. <laughs> like, it was crazy. Yeah. So I think every, and I think it was a lesson I learned. The The more you try to control the situation, mm-hmm. the less you have control, especially as a parent. I learned that between my oldest daughter and my youngest daughter who are 10 years apart. And the amount of parenting I did to my oldest daughter was so different than the parenting I did to my youngest. And I would say that my younger daughter obviously had way less problems. <laughs> I was like, damn it. All this stuff I thought I had to be as a parent and some dad that's like scaring yeah. boyfriends and stuff. That was just stupid. I got through living in LA and I did some, I think about young, like I t- my youngest just turned 21 and her mm-hmm. and I were talking and 
I was like, when I was 21, I was a dad, I was married, and I had a second kid on the way. I literally, I don't think I had what people consider just being a young adult. I went from my parents' yeah. house to playing basketball for a couple of years to then being a husband and a father. Like that wasn't enough time to even be like just a young adult. Who you're supposed no... to be. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, the pressure was on from like day one. And I have felt that pressure over the last 30 years. I'm 51 now. And it's really a message. I know the theme of the genesis of why I'm on this show, but it's a theme I talk to my kids about all the time being 31, 29, 23, and 21 is you're so young. It's stupid young. I know. And even they're dealing with like, I've missed the boat kind of moments mm -hmm. where I hear it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy shit, kids, you're no, you're so young. You can, my, my second youngest son just quit his job to go full-time content creator around Star Wars. And he's really lucky to have a dad like me that's do it, bro. I'll back you work. Like, just go. And he's blown up. Doesn't need anything from me. It's like, that's the time to do that shit is really more than any. And then the reverse is when all the kids are grown up and gone, now's the time to really do it too. It's I'm finally a young adult in a way. It's weird. So right. It's, it's a little yeah. backwards. Yeah, it is. I did it. I did it. I think about all the time, not in some morbid way, but when the, the kids and I, the kids and my mom separated in 97. I was facing 28 years in jail, locked up in county. She was done with me. And we almost were done. Like we weren't going to have kids anymore. That means before I turned 40, I would have been an empty nester if I hadn't had wow. the two other kids, which is like my, you shouldn't even really be thinking about <laughs> kids until you're in your middle thirties. And it was just weird to think back to that. I love that I have all four kids. Don't get me wrong, but it was just weird when Dylan moved out in whatever, 2009. And I was like, dude, I'm 38. And I, I would be an empty nester right now. This is weird. That's crazy. So quite an interesting life you've led up till then. And yeah. then let's get into, obviously just hearing that first part of the story is like there in it of itself is a theme. We can reinvent ourselves as many times as we want. And sometimes it's because we're forced to, a lot of times it's because we're forced to, because I think it's human nature for us to have too much fear or anxiety around taking the leap until we're kicked off the ledge yeah, in a sense. That. Isn't that the way it is? hundred percent. It's funny thinking about reinventing yourself too. At LA high, I was the white kid at Granada Hills. I was the black kid. I was the same right. person in both situations, but I was too white for the neighborhood I lived in, even though they've always given me a pass, you'll see comments on Facebook that I didn't grow up white and stuff like that. But then the kids at the white school were like, you're, what are you trying to be? You're trying to be something you're not. And I was like, I was just right. my neighborhood kind of thing too. You're just who you are. Yeah. hundred percent. And the faster we can all be who we are, like the better. hundred percent. Everyone else needs to get with the program. Like this is who I am. Get with the program. It's funny. And just a weird segue, like looking at some of the video I've been creating, that guy is a different guy. Like where I'm almost like, that's not you, bro. Be you. Like I'm even yeah. battling that with myself. Like I'm not being, mm -hmm. because I'm trying to be 50 now. And my, <laughs> what does that even mean though? Damien? I, I know, but like my, like the jokes that I say during the editing and stuff, it's like a 30 something. I'm like, I should just leave those. That's my and I'm still battling with that where I'm like, but is it, is it authentic for you to make, you're kind of a jokester. You've yeah. always been very lighthearted. So if it's just natural, then don't think of it as, oh, that 30 year olds tell those jokes. You're like, do I tell those jokes? Okay. I do. Cool. Who gives a fuck if I'm 50? 
Yeah, because what's weird to me is let's say someone's watched a lot of my videos and then they hang out with me and they're like, dude, you're really funny. And I'm like, but that's not coming <laughs> off in my videos then for you to be shocked by that. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing where I'm <laughs> like, like, wait a second. Right. <laughs> I would have never guessed. I know. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that I got to look through, but a weird kind of. So let me go from, obviously, I'm going to skip from 92 being 21 with kids skip over. to like yeah, to 2014. I had got custody of all four of my kids around 2003, 2004. So I immediately went into, I've got to work for myself in order to juggle right. four kids going to four schools and all the different sports and activities. There's no way I could work the struggle nine to five. struggle is real and I only have two. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, if both parents are working nine to five and like where you can get in trouble for being at work at 9.05 kind of a thing. It's almost impossible. It's, you know. Impossible. With, yeah, with kids. So I went the entrepreneur, own my own job trying to figure things out. And then in 2012, I was like, the kids were a little older, the systems were in place. I was dating a girl, actually, I think just got married. Yeah, just got married for the second time and thought, okay, now I can go back and get like a nine to five. And I found a really good fitting job and it was really great. And things were kicking ass. And I just was enjoying being a director of marketing of this kind of larger company in Southern California. I literally met with the CEO on a Wednesday. We're making plans for a trade show in Vegas. And something happens on Thursday, something I said, did, don't even really know. But by Friday, I was fired. And mm. it, it spun me because I'd, I'd just gone through that during the 2012 to 2014, I had gone through my second divorce. I had just moved into my new place. I had my two younger kids living with me. And I, it was like, no notice, no nothing, no severance. You're gone. These are bros. Like people, they went yeah. to my wedding a couple of years, like that kind wow. of stuff. Yeah. And so I couldn't believe it. And I was like, I can't believe I'm in this situation. And I remember the whole thing, like being in the closet, crying, thinking about putting it in the mouth, ending it. This is ridiculous. How can wow. I be 40 something and not take care of my kids? Now, my two youngest kids had to go live with people for about 90 days as I couch surfed and tried to find a new job and didn't want to screw up my credit with my landlord. So I just decided to dump my place. And so I was homeless for about 90 days, a couch, slept in the car a couple of times, that kind of thing. And it was rough. And like, literally when Luke went to go live with a teammate's family, it just made the most sense because he was so dialed in the basketball that him staying with family, it just wouldn't help. So he went and stayed with one of his teammates. I didn't even have 20 bucks to give the kid like when I dropped him off, like it's still one of those things where it's, oh, I can't believe I was in a place where I couldn't even give my kid 20 bucks as he goes and moves in somewhere, the thing. And I really made a choice where I'm like, I'm never going to put myself in that situation again. And man, fast forward, I decide I want to get out of California. I don't know where I want to go. I decide that I need to find a remote job. I'll probably tool around the States a little and figure out, I think it's going to be Texas. I'm watching whatever is fixer up or like everyone else and be like, what? You I know, can buy right? a house for... <laughs> 11 things of strawberries and you know a half can of gas let's go and I found a remote job and they I told them in the beginning I'm thinking about moving to Texas and they're like that's fine you're remote doesn't matter and I ended up with this idea of traveling the country in an RV and it still didn't matter and it was great and I was like rocking and rolling and things were good and it was amazing getting out of California like how much I was able to reduce such of my debt range and just, you know, really no get my finances together. It was crazy. But in 2018, really the same thing again. I'm in September, I'm in San Diego shooting all these promos for the event that's going to happen later in the year and for selling tickets. They've seen that I'm okay on video. So they want to take advantage of that. And that's late September. And on, on Halloween, they fire me and let me go saying I didn't meet my goals, even though we never had goals, except for that last month. And I just, 
that's what I mean. It hit me, but it hit me hard is obviously being in a closet and thinking about I got to end this kind of life. My kids aren't living with me anymore. There's not that kind of responsibility. My youngest was in a private high school and I had to figure out how to pay for that and that kind of stuff. But my my overhead was so much lower in this lifestyle. Plus, I had a roommate that was covering 50 percent of because you're living in the RV. I'm living in the RV. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so it still messed with me because it messed with me more of a, am I really terrible at my job? Like, why did I mm-hmm. get fired? And other reasoning was really lame. And then even the CEO like would message me and be like, it wasn't me that wanted to let you go. It wasn't my choice. So I battled with that for about a year. Like really, what am I going to do? Am I going to work for someone? And how like, old were help? you when this happened? If you don't mind so, me asking. So no, no. This is so the age. Yeah. You know, 2018, episode. born in 71. So what is that? 47. Yeah. So about 47 years old, the second time in my forties, getting let go and having no backup, no hot side hustle. And I just remember thinking, okay, I can't ever let this happen again. What can I do? And to back up a little in 2016, when I knew I was going to go full-time in an RV and I thought I invented it. I knew retired people did it, but I didn't think anybody did it. Well, I thought you invented it. (laughs) And I quickly, you and my grandparents. But mostly there are people that do it retired. Like I, I get that. I just right. didn't know people did it working on the road. And then I, I didn't really know what a digital nomad was and all this kind of stuff. And then I found, I think some article that talked about a million US Americans are traveling the country in some way full time without a home base. And so I immediately thought of a million people doing that. There's probably a magazine about it. And there wasn't. And I just put a feather in my you know, hat about that. And it's super niche, which is good in the magazine industry. When you're really broad, it's hard. But if you're super niche, you can do it. And so I honestly kicked the idea around most of 2019. I was getting close to the January. January just seemed like a good time to launch a magazine beginning of the year. We announced it. We we did a little Kickstarter. Oh, actually. And so what's funny is we were just going to launch it digital only. As a digital nomad, getting your mail is not difficult. I knew the magazine was going to be evergreen. But I still was like, do I really want the cost of print while starting mm-hmm. it? Digital, there wasn't nearly the cost. I was going to call it an e-zine and everything. And I can get on my boomer moment about that. But I wasn't going to call it a magazine. I was going to be like, it's digital only. It's an e-zine. And this is what I'm going to do. But we got so much pushback from the beginning. People wanting to print that we did a Kickstarter. It, it, it funded, but it, it funded majority through like friends that wanted to see it want to do well. And then obviously some people that wanted it. But as soon as it was available in print, and out and people could hold it. That's when people just started coming on board, which is great. But yeah, so we, we launched it and I had some magazine experience, but my magazine experience was all analog. There was no, mm-hmm. my last magazine ended in 2007. And I think you were still trying to explain to people how to attach a photo to an email in 2007. So <laughs> right. <laughs> no one's reading magazines unless you're super geeked out a thing. And we launched it and it, it was slow growing at the beginning, real grind, and it's picking up and picking up. And then the pandemic hits and I thought to myself, oh, there goes my business. So this right? is going to end it. And all of a sudden there's this huge boom, which is a positive and negative in and around the RV industry. There were right. a ton of people that went out and bought RVs. There were a ton of people that said, what, if I'm going to be remote full time, I might as well leave where I'm living. And so we were capturing a lot of those people that were just interested Mm -hmm. in this lifestyle and understanding it, which was really, which was really great. The negative side to it was that there was such a boom, like I'll give Jayco, the RV manufacturer, an example. I think they're like 13 billion with a B in back orders right now. 
So are you wow. marketing and advertising if you have 13 billion in order? No. And that was the biggest one, but everyone, even some of my current advertisers at the time are like, can we put our ad on hold? We can't even keep up with demand right now. It was the weirdest thing. We're in this middle of this pandemic, people are losing their jobs, but this whole recreational is just booming, which, so we wrote that. in the right place at the right time. Without a doubt. And full disclosure, I've, I have a roommate that is my partner in this, and she was doing stuff that's ridiculously successful. So having a partner that doesn't need to pull money out of the business, if money's needed, it's available too. If, you know, cash flow is slow or advertisers are slow to pay. So it did really put us in a unique spot. We don't have office space. We didn't have any employees. It was just me and There's her no overhead. The magazine. None. Besides the the print, to run these magazines, it would probably cost us less than 1500 a month kind of a thing. Wow. The print is what really had the cost. So it was really, it was a good little cash cow money coming in with that kind of overhead. I literally started Rootless Living with $12. I just bought a Google Crazy. domain name and then started telling Why people about it. I, Why you know, not? I mean, you I didn't can do, do that anything. With, yeah, I know. I didn't do that with RV today. I, I did put a little money aside and bring people on and say, okay, let's run, yeah. launch it like a proper kind of magazine. But I just... I think the thing that's really been great over the last two and a half years with this is just two things. One is I get that my advertisers can fire me, but the odds of them firing me as a group or all my subscribers like is all at once. Yeah, I would it would I would have to do something like Will Smith kind of level for you know that to happen. <laughs> And yeah, I don't know who I'd slap in the industry that all of a sudden everything would get pulled. But that there's just a really neat like piece of that, that this the odds of that happening are really low. And the other thing is everyone that I've hired as um, a part-time contractor with, they have to have some other hustle. And for I two reasons. I love that requirement. Yeah. In the sense that one, I don't have to be the guy that if something went wrong, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you're out. Right. Two, it allows them that even if most people that are working with me, this is their passion. They're living the lifestyle. They're in an RV. This has really hit a lot of the, the things that they want in regards to earning money. And, but them having a side hustle is really great. And, and I learned a lot in my last job because there's so much control and micromanaging and I, and, and it's weird. These people never worked for the assholes that I've worked for, but they still have been trained <laughs> Yes, where they're like, Hey, I get emails. They're like, Hey, I'm not going to be available on Friday. You're a contractor. I can't tell you when to work, but the emails are like, your own boss. Go away. <laughs> but it, Just get and, the and job done whenever you get it done. As long as exactly. you get it done. And it's, I can't work Friday because my family's in town, blah, blah, blah. And I just respond. It could have just been, I can't work Friday. I don't care what the reason is. Like that reason doesn't have anything to do with it you can say i don't want to work friday because i don't want to work friday like right? and they are like wait what like they have been so conditioned even as contractors that they feel they need to i'm like just this could be a completely it. other episode by the way oh 100 <laughs> this exact topic like you are when you're a contractor you're a business owner you are your own boss stop acting like an employee like serious 100 <laughs> percent. and i, I think even even me, like I've said no to a lot of potential advertisers. I have fired advertisers. If a subscriber says something, I refund the money and I send send them on their way and just be like, hey, don't worry about it. And a lot of times they're shocked where they're like, wait, no, I still want the magazine, bro. You can't say all that shit. And then, like, I'm not here for that noise. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it, and I, it's different. Like everything that we were taught about running a business, the customer's always right and all this kind of stuff. And you know, the employees work for you. Even the employees working for you is hard. They work for me. You know what I mean? If they all 
decided to, I'm going to bail, I'd be screwed. screwed. And so, yeah. yeah. And I don't ever treat anyone. Look, everyone is replaceable and they know that like, but to have to be a boss that tells people that and makes people live in that fear and in that space. Ooh, it's so yeah. weird. Yeah. So, that's yucky. So yeah, the long rant there. So I don't know what you want to go back to. <laughs> well, <laughs> so let's come back for a second. I do have the very first ever, for those of you who are listening, I'm about to get it, but connoisseur of rootless magazines and shirts, yeah. it turns out. Um, big supporter of Damien, obviously. And so the first issue, by the way, is still gorgeous. I know that you've changed things a bit, but I love how the quality is there. And I oh, just, and I love just the feel of it. But then you went on, not only have you reinvented yourself and become this magazine mogul, <laughs> right? You're like, screw the man. I'm going to be the man, but way cooler and more empathetic and fun. But then you went on to do what? You went on to launch a second magazine. So let's, right. where, when was the moment that you were like, Hey, this could be, it's almost like you're dreaming bigger and you're just like, I'm going to keep going. This is happening. Yeah. I think what I've learned about magazines is the super niche do really well. The industry in a whole is probably pretty shitty if you look at it. But anytime you go into a Barnes and Noble, magazines are still doing very well, very strong, mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of titles, which uh, RV today will start being in Barnes and Noble and Books a Million this year, which we're really excited about. Yeah. And that'll change the game. I think what I realized was I'm a big all-inclusive guy. Like when I look at other magazines, I see myself, I see that 40, 50 year old white guy, but I don't see a lot of my friends and family mm -hmm. being represented in these publications. And so with Rootless, we really made sure. I don't want to say we had a checklist that we were trying to hit, but if someone came to us and said, hey, we've got a guy that's full-time in a van and he's in a wheelchair, do you want to do that story? Hell yes, let's Hell do yeah. it. And then those messages are the ones where it's like, hey, I'm not Rootless, but I saw the cover. I have a friend that's been talking about saying they didn't think they could do it. Your article has changed it. And that's what it's all about. And what I found out about RV owner magazines or magazines are related around RV, there isn't one that's just a magazine. And I know that sounds mm -hmm. weird. What I'll say is the largest one is owned by Camping World, which is mm -hmm. weird that the largest dealer owns a magazine. Maybe know? smart but, on their behalf. Yeah, it is guerrilla marketing. Like I don't, I, I, look, you're not, I go back to my Chamber of Commerce days. We had a Chamber of Commerce newsletter. We didn't mm -hmm. call it the La Mirada Business Magazine, our chamber newsletter. I think a lot of them are doing this. So the other ones are owned by agencies, associations, membership groups, sure. uh, manufacturers even have them. I think Airstream has a magazine, just things like that. And they're calling it a magazine. And then I think I, I hinted to my boomerism is that there are a lot of bloggers that are seeing a decline. And so now they're creating like PDF magazines and calling them a magazine. And it's, that's not what it is. You're not calling this a radio show. You're not saying- yeah, I'm hey, not on the radio. Right. <laughs> it's a podcast. You know I, mean? I don't call my YouTube a television show. I don't say I'm on cable. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> and it's one of those things where I'm like, why don't just call it an e-zine? Stop trying to pretend mm -hmm. you're something that you're not. And, and I've actually seen people say they have a magazine. They don't even have a magazine. It's just a website mm -hmm. and they're calling it a magazine. I'm like, wait, what's going on? So that's what really triggered me to say, hey, I'm going to go into a bigger niche. RV owners is a lot bigger than the digital nomads that are living in it. Was one of these magazines was doing a generator comparison and the generator that I have and most full-time RV, RVers have 
uh, wasn't listed in the generator comparison, which was weird. But then I realized it's because they don't sell it. It's a harbor right. freight. And so they're not going to mention or talk about something that they're not selling at their dealership. And I was like, that's not a magazine. That's a catalog. Yeah. Sears There's and Victoria's nowhere Secret for real RVers to go and learn about real RVing. 100%. If I wanted to get into oh, yeah. it, I want to learn what the RVers know. You, y'all are the experts. You're the ones out there doing this. So... Good point, because I think one of the things I've learned through Rootless Living is the manufacturers, the dealership, they don't know RVing at all. And they'll I'll right. joke about that with them. They'll get it. They understand it. Because there's a lot of people that work for manufacturers that have never RVed. They don't even own an RV. That's just their right. job, which isn't unique to RVing. It's the same thing yeah, in every industry. Industries. You have people that work for you know the NBA. They don't play basketball. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. But that part of it's weird to me. And, and that in the manufacturer, and you're like, why would you put this here? This is like the it same. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, like it, it's that kind of stuff. But so we didn't do a Kickstarter this year. We all we did was we created a special edition issue. It was a little misstep that I learned with Ruthless Living that people want to wait until they see it. So I thought, okay, what if I invest mm-hmm. the money? They want it in their hand. Yeah, I'll invest the money. I'll do the first issue. I teamed up with a lot of content creators in and around the RV space, some that have less than 500 subscribers and then some that have hundreds of thousands. And we that really launched us because all of them were sharing it, which always brings me back to the difference between a magazine and a blog and a YouTube video is if you're ever at a restaurant and you see a framed video clip or a framed blog post on a wall of the restaurant, let me know. But I will always see newspaper and magazine clippings. That is a valid point. That are that framed. So the point. media is not the same. And and one of the ideas I really thought about with RV today, and it's slow going because everyone's so scared that you're somehow going to hurt them is I know that when I was a content creator that was trying to monetize or at least trade out, let's say like an RV campground. And I called and said, I make videos. I've got this room. Right. right. Come out and I can face the campground. They were not so open to it, but ever since I've been a magazine and I could say, Hey, I'm a magazine, I'm coming by. They're like, Whoa, holy shit. That's incredible. Right. And I thought, what if I can help other content creators have that kind of power at the get-go and team up with them. And some have really, you know, gravitated to it and said, okay, we'll partner with you. You reach out to the campground, you get the free stay. You just write a cool little, you know, review about it and we'll put it in the magazine. And it's a win-win because you got in, you're creating content around it. It's been published. You can add it to your media kit. You can then continue to pile on. We've had some people that have gotten it and are really doing well. They're actually selling magazines, making money, getting free stays and growing their channel. And then you have some people that, hey, look, we're big enough. We can do our thing. And, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, and which is fine. And I'm good either way. I, I just love that almost everyone that works with me and obviously everyone that's writing content for the magazine is either living full-time in an RV or owns an RV. There's no, this is my thought process on their RV life. These are actually, yeah, right? no one's in a cubicle writing about the RV life, which is They're really not cool. faking it. Nope. They're not like fake it till you make it. Nope. Nope. They are. They are As I like to it. say, I like to make it till I make it, get out yeah. there, do it, get your What's hands that? dirty. <laughs> Love it. So full circle here, uh-huh. like you've reinvented yourself quite a few times in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like each time it got a little scarier, but then the reward was so much bigger. 
But then like now it's almost like you're in a flow. Okay, now I've got this thing. And I find it really interesting because I, I think one of the reasons we hear of so many people that have been very successful after 50 or after 45 or whatever that mid range is for, it's a little different for everyone. You hear about these, all these famous people. And even in your story is that if you could get over the idea of, oh, I'm like 50, I'm too old for this. And you actually do it. It almost becomes easier because you've, you look at your path and you're like, if I could do all that shit, like, I could do this. So it's interesting to say that. One thing I will say is that, and I, I told this at the very beginning, I told you the story about the woman. And I mm -hmm. said, do you think that you'll live till you're like 80, 90 or a hundred? And she's like, yeah. I was like, I think I'm going to live me. I think I'm going to live into my nineties because that's just how it is for the women in my family. And so if I'm sitting here today going, I'm 41 and it, I'm too old. Am I going to spend the next 40 fucking years going, I'm too old. I'm too old. That's a horrible 40 years ahead. Like, why do it? Like get out there and reinvent yourself a couple more times. Why not? When I go back to like even 2012 to 20, the last 10 years, and I think about the massive pivot, going to work for someone else, getting fired twice, traveling and working and living in all 48 states, starting two magazines. I just recently purchased 240 acres in Oklahoma, building a big ranch, building a big shop. I got some other businesses we're gonna launch once the shop is done. That's a 10 year cycle with six of it being pretty shitty. So if even if I said, let's look at the last five years, it's all building magazines, buying land, traveling the country. It's a crazy five years. I too think based on a lot of the men in my family, I'll live into my eighties. So I've got another 30 years. And if I go back to that 21-year-old kid that was married, and I know I, I can't even get like the dates right or the time right. And 30 years is so long ago. And so right. much has happened that, I, and I think what's funny is that I see it on both spectrums. I see my 30 year old that's not happy where she's at, or at least I draw that from some of her posts and her conversations. And I'll say to her, 30 is so stupid young. It's so stupid young. And she'll say things like my friends are getting married and having kids. And here I am doing this. And I'm like, thank God you're doing this because there's always time to get married and have kids. You can't. And what was the old thing? It's we're not going to have kids. Cause what if we want to decide to like, just go to Italy tomorrow? And like, no one ever fucking says I'm going to Italy tomorrow. Like, so it's a weird, Nobody. we, and we put this on ourselves, no matter the spectrum, which I think is really mm -hmm. weird when we're and I think the only thing that's changed in our era is that when we were in our 20s, we couldn't wait to be in our 40s because we can be Isn't a CEO. Isn't that the truth? We're like, yeah. And now yes. that we're in our 40s, mm -hmm. all these CEOs are now in their 20s. Our CEO, if you know. like, what the fuck? <laughs> if your goal was to be like a CEO of a Fortune 500, this error, this this was the worst like decade because all of a sudden with Facebook being 22 and creating this company, they did the water boy thing where it's like, hey, we've got one water boy that's successful. Let's bring in all these other side positions and let's right. see if the towel boy is a good football player. Right. And so all of a sudden I was too old. I remember in 2015 interviewing for like a VP of marketing with a pretty big company, went through 13 or 14 interviews. It was nuts. And I really, at the end of it, I felt like I just did a bunch of consulting for free and they just called it an interview. But I even felt a little old. That's the thing where I was like, I'm, you know, just over 40 and I'm in a VP position and I feel too old for this position just based on the youth that was in this company. They were just hiring yeah. 
you know, right out of high school and having all these young kids and teaching them. And I just thought, oh, I'm so much older. And it, it wasn't just older. It was so much more life experience too. Yes. You know, like that was the Well, that's thing. the stuff right there. Yeah. The life experience and what you do with the life experience. It's funny that you said that about when you're younger, you want to be older. I remember very clearly always being like, oh, when I'm, when I get to be 40, people will respect me because I always had this issue with, I, I looked very young. I still look young, but back then I looked really young. So I get out of college and I look like I'm 12 and here's this 12 blonde girl, 12 year old blonde girl. I was actually like 28. And I always thought oh, when I get 40, when I get to 40, people are going to respect me when I'm 40, I'll be able to have years of experience in my industry and I'll be able to ha have that to show. And I'm 41 right now. And I can tell you that was all bullshit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like it's, you're going to spend your youth wishing you're older and your, your age when you're older, wishing you're younger. And it's like, when do we stop and just live the life we want. That's the thing. I think the example that I give a lot of people, no matter what your high school experience was, most people want to get the hell out of high school. And then most people wish they would have done high school different. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they have, and even I can say, I wish I would have just done things different. I wish I would have tried harder. I wish I would have homeschooled. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Stuff like that. Wish I hadn't gotten shot in high school. That sucked. But I think it's one of those things that we're just never content or never happy where yeah. we are. We're always throwing our own like self doubt and who we can become. And can you really launch a magazine with $12? I wouldn't tell someone else to do it per se, because I think it takes a different breed. But I would say that if you have some of that skill set, then go for it. But I think it's also just having the right people around you because you will talk yourself out of shit. And if you have Absolutely. the right people around you to be able to say, hey, Here's what I'm thinking about doing. And they want to see you successful in areas that you can be successful in. Because the scariest thing for me, it's I mourn more people doing something over and over and over and expecting different results. And they just keep doing it and thinking one day it'll click. And you're like, I feel like we've ingrained that into people too. Just keep going, don't quit. And there's really a good time to quit. And I always use the analogy, I've never regretted a hand that I've played and lost in poker. Mm -hmm. But I've regretted folding winning hands more than anything. I think about that more than, I, it's so weird to me. And I think that analogy in life is, I've never really been upset about trying something and failing as much mm -hmm. as I've been of not trying it and thinking back and being like, man, I really should have just I wish I would have done that. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's the- I wish I would have done it sooner. A yep. lot of, With some people do that too. You're like, damn it. And you got to understand our whole system is there's all these different conversations that are going on. And, and I keep saying, like, I, I wish we were a nation that if you're going to give an 18 year old $100,000 to go to college, give an 18 year old $25,000 to travel the country for a year, Amen. give them $50,000 to start a business and see what happens to our economy where, because not everyone has to go to college clearly, but if your only choice is live at home and get, I don't even know, a part-time job, or you know, your parents will help you and with grants and with student loans, you can go to college and be away. Most people are going to pick the go away kind of factor. And we just need to find up something that's better. Even me growing up with having some Mormons as friends, that two-year mission for a lot of them was life-changing. And I used to always say to myself, even very young, I was in my, that was a raging alcoholic. And I remember having these moments where I was like, why does the mission have to be religion-based? Why aren't we sending our 20-year-olds to go do something for two years, whether it's Red Cross, Habitat Humanity, I just whatever. I agree. Yeah. I, could, I think that the more we can expose our youth and even everybody 
the more we can all be more exposed to different people, different cultures, things outside of our bubble and expand our existence and our perspective because perception is reality. And if our perception is everyone's like me and this is the world I live in in this little bubble, this is why we have such a divide because so many people are stuck in just their vision of what's in front of them and they right. don't see what's beyond. And I, I, I traveled a lot when I was a kid. I was very fortunate that my mom and my stepdad lived in other countries. So I was able to go to other countries and travel. And it was pivotal for me in becoming a more empathetic, open person open for all kinds of conversation, open to know that my idea is not always the best idea or my perspective is not always the only perspective. And I wish more people had the ability to travel and it doesn't have to be like what you said. It doesn't have to be in another country. No. Just go and see some shit. Stop sitting in your, especially if you're unhappy or if you feel like, oh, I got to keep just doing this and doing this. You create a pattern of boredom, I guess, a pattern of the mediocre. Your life becomes a pattern of that. And how do you break a pattern? You have to do something different. You can't just expect, like you said, you can't expect something to change by doing the same thing over and over again. So I, I completely agree. I think it's so helpful to have, especially like you said, young people, it's such a great time. They're developing their ideas of the world, get them out there. I think everyone knows that is the definition of insanity is performing the same behaviors and expecting a change. But I think there's another one too, where you don't stick with something just long enough. You know what I mean? There's sticking mm. with something too long and then there's shiny object syndrome and it's mm -hmm. really somewhere in between. It where, is, isn't it? It's a balance. Yeah. And I think we've, we've become a society that was literally told you need to get a job and work 30 years and then get a gold watch. And then we're also a society that's just every day we're seeing someone be successful online. And, and I think what quit. I've really learned in the last probably in the last 10 years, so in, in my 40s really, is that the more I think someone's rich, they're probably dirt-ass poor. That's oh, one I've of the discovered things, that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've really like got into where there's something about, like even, even talking through with Gary Vee, like when he was working for his dad and growing it, he wasn't making a lot of money. And then he really... He did things that most 20-year-olds won't do. He never went out. He saved all his money. He had all these different side hustles. And no matter how you feel about the guy, if you just look at that kind of stuff, and that he's really pretty big on ageism and how you've got plenty of time. And I love that mm -hmm. conversation. I love that we're having this kind of conversations now. But I also find it just very odd that people probably will say his dad handed it to him, things of that nature. When you really look and deep dive, you're like, this guy just worked, worked his hard. ass off. Yeah. And picked up and jumped onto something. You know, nobody was doing what he was doing in and around right. YouTube, online and stuff. Exactly. Email. Like he was one of the first ones to use email marketing. And I think the important distinction too, is am I working hard towards something that I truly believe in that I know in my gut is for me? I might not know how to get there. It might be a pain in the ass to get there, but I want this thing. Hmm. And so I'm going to work my ass off for it. Or am I working because I'm afraid to do something different, to actually go after the thing that really sets me on fire. And I think a lot of people, like you said, it's a balance. Like, how do you figure it out? And it's just, you have to be fucking honest with yourself. And yeah. that is scary. And I do think that a lot of people do wait until they're 40, 50, 60 before they're honest with themselves. And then you know what they do? They go and they say, I'm too old to change it. 
And that's why we're having this conversation because you're not too old to change it. You're halfway through your life. And who knows? They're saying the technology now, we might live past our hundreds. Like, I don't want to live the rest of my life sitting around going, I'm too old. Yeah. And I think bringing it back to the RV lifestyle and how most people do this when they're retired. I am very grateful that I spent 45 to 50 traveling the country full time because I have seen a lot of 70, 80 year olds that didn't stay in good shape and it just doesn't look that fun. Tough. Yes. It's maybe tough. you're not working while you're doing it. So there's times to, to do things too. And I think that's the, I think all the messaging is so messed up and we're all getting it a little bit wrong for ourselves. And like, I can't go back in time. I wish I would have lived in New York as an adult. I can't do it now at 50. My parents, my dad just, you know, finally realized his dream and bought an apartment in New York, I think in the last five years. And we were there in the mid early seventies and he wanted to own an apartment. Then it took him almost 50 years to hit mm -hmm. that goal, but he got it. But for them, they love the arts. They love the theater. They love it the works food. For them. It works for them. For me, being in a big city and experience it now would be nuts. Seeing the city through my son's eyes and my daughter, who happens, my youngest, who happens to be there right now. I'm like, dang it. I wish I would have done that. Even following Casey Neistat, where he was like, we're getting a little too old to raise a family in the city. We're going to leave and go to California for a while. And I'm like, I totally get it. I don't know if I could yep. raise my kids. I get it. There's a seasonality and it's different for everyone, right? Like you said, like your dad's loving it because it's the lifestyle he wants right now. I'm like that. I'm like, oh, if I were, I tell this to my brother-in-law all the time because he's a single guy. He's in his thirties and I'm like, he feels sometimes that he's stuck in Colorado. And I was like, man, if I didn't have kids, I already know Jeff would go with me, my husband, because this is what he wants too. But if I were like a single gal or just married and I didn't have kids, I would literally go live in like a condo or an apartment in San Diego and live as close to the beach and just hustle just to live that lifestyle because that's the lifestyle I'd want. But today it's not the lifestyle I want. If I had millions of dollars and I could afford like a comfortable cushy home, <laughs> then that's the lifestyle I want. But I also understand that it's a different season for me. It's not the lifestyle I want for my kids. The lifestyle I want for my kids is the exact lifestyle I'm giving them right now, which is such a blessing because I was able to start doing that for them. So you're right. It's nowhere, what season you're in right now, but don't give up on the dream that works for the season you're in right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, we try to fast forward the season in the sense mm. that the things I wanted in regards to land and density of people, I could never have that in California. I'm just never going to make yeah. that kind of money, but leaving California, I now have what I wanted and it's not for everyone. I get it. But I think the big message that even I've had with friends that are really remote or selling online, and I'm just like, why are you in a place that's just financially draining you when you right. could do a Sometimes five Sometimes it's just a matter of changing your location. It, but not even forever. It could literally, I try to talk to my kids. What do you think would happen to your life if you got out of Orange County or got out of Brooklyn and moved it to the Midwest somewhere? for five years. And you did that for, so, so the, money. yeah, the 3,500 you're spending in rent, you're now spending $600 for the same rent. I know it's crazy. And I, what I really think it's crazy is when it's someone with a job that's like at FedEx or Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you do know it's a national company. You do know. Yeah. You could go. You could leave like, for transfer, a while. Transfer. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And actually we just went through this when we, we were living in California and again, my husband's very loyal to businesses. So for him to say that he's ready to leave a company, mind you, I was kicking him in the butt, like you're unhappy, let's go. But he like, we, so many times in the process of our move, we'd already purchased the home. We we're ready to close. We're packing things up so many times. He would say to me, is it worth it? I can keep working for this company. I don't want to move my kids. And now we look back at those conversations like, fuck yeah, it was worth it. It was just fear of that one little change. And we had other friends who were thinking of leaving and coming to Texas as well, had lived in California their whole lives. And this woman was having panic attacks about leaving. They ended up leaving. They got here before we did. We're still, of course, friends with them. And she was like, I freaking love it here. Like I'm able to give my kids a life I could never give them because it was just too expensive. And the area we were living in was starting to go downhill. And it's one little change was so scary because it's scary to move. Obviously it's scary to, you know, I'm sure you get this from a lot of people who start living that rootless lifestyle. They're like, I always wanted to travel the United States and with my kids and stuff, but I just didn't think it was possible. And I bet you that, and I, if people haven't told you, I'm sure they, they should, because I bet you there are people who read this magazine and they see families traveling Mm -hmm. and doing it. Like for me, it's a perspective I have because I'm a mom with kids and I'm like, see, it's possible. It's something that if you ever had the desire, now I can see it. Other people are doing it. And maybe that's why it's so important that we tell these stories, whether it's in magazines or podcasts or whatever, that we share the story that it's possible and it's scary. But once you do it, you look back, you're like, yes, so glad I did it. Yeah, it's weird too that I've been dabbling in this idea of writing like a rootless book in regards to the things that I'll give one example, like sports. Sports was such a big deal to me growing up. And it was such a big deal as a dad. And I've had some heart-to-heart conversations with my boys and just really tried to, you know, dig deep into them. And both of them have been like it was a big waste of time. Mm. And in the in the sense that compared to what I had when I was growing up. You had practice, you had some summer stuff, but it was really a seasonal sport. Right now we, the parents, I really believe it's the parents have an 11th month sport. If I ran for president, I would say no use sports in the month of July that you'd be forced to like be able to take family. Cause I remember- Go enjoy your life. Yeah, we were going to go on a family trip when we were going to miss some big tournament. And Luke's coach was like, he'll have to refight for his starting spot when he gets back. And Luke was like, wait, what? I don't want to go on a family trip. I just remember even then I was still like, well, that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't. Like you should be able to go on a family trip. And experiences over everything. Yeah. Like it's that kind of stuff. The amount of time and effort we put into stuff when we're so young and it's so time consuming and you don't have enough people in your life that are saying, if you're listening right now and your kid's playing basketball and he's not six foot eight and a point guard, like my kid was, and my kid still didn't really have a shot. Stop yeah, it's it. Not that important. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Like it's the, the, the stuff we learned in little league and T-ball about teammates. And it's, I think it's way better playing sports than doing PE in high school. PE was mm-hmm. terrible. Sports were okay. But I think it's, we do that kind of stuff where we just, we get so consumed with it. And here's something that I, th- I find really interesting. I don't know if you noticed this. I watched some of Peter McKinnon and some of these other creators that I really liked Mm -hmm. I found out one thing that's really weird it's really weird for me because I'm anti this but they're all Canadian (laughs) and (laughs) and I'm like what is it that like and I find out it's because six months out of the year 
they're like snowed in. So all they can do is work on. So the guys that are like, they're content creators, but they also have a really cool woodworking hustle or they're painters right. or they have silk screening or magicians or knives or coffee. It's because they have this time where they can't do anything. Like and it's, you're just indoors learning a skill. And I was like, it just hit me one day when I was like, that's why they can put in the time that most of us as adults aren't because we don't have that where it locks us up for right. a couple months out of the year where you go, okay, now what? I've watched all of Netflix. What do I do now? <laughs> and I think that's the thing. And I, fear is real. And I think you said something I want to mention is if you can trick yourself into saying, if I had all the money, would I be doing this? And if you're still saying mm -hmm. no, or if I had all the money, would you do this? And yes, that's a really good way of, you know, finding out if you would do it. And even me, when I'm out here on my property and I have a mini excavator, and I have a skid loader and I'm out here moving stuff and creating land. I ask myself, if I had the money, would I pay someone to do this? My answer is no, I would do it. I, I pay people for things that really take a professional, but things that I can get done with my own, I'll do it because I enjoy it. And I think that's the, like the little trick question. If I had all the money, would I move to San Diego? Yes. And then you're like, okay then I got to figure that part out because that's where I want to be. Is it possible? Maybe if it's not, then I think let it die down because you really can't kill yourself. You whether can. it's, yeah, you really can. I think that's where, you know, it, whether it's basketball, what was I thinking about the other day? I was driving by this high school here and I think they were back-to-back -back state champions in this little small town. And my first thought was those guys that won it, they have not been able to let that go. That mm. was, they peaked out at Forever. 18. You know what right? I mean? And they're, and they're like, and everyone said, you'll go to the NBA, you'll do this. And I play basketball with a guy. It's a great moment where they say, Hey, when you make it to the NBA, don't forget me. And he said, if I don't make it to the NBA, don't forget me. And I'll never forget that kind of one, stop putting this kind of fucking pressure on me. And right. two, don't like me or not like me. Because you got to the NBA. Yeah. Or because you did X, Y, and Z. What's even crazier is I did the math recently looking at YouTube. You have a better chance of making the NBA as a basketball player than you have making it as a content creator on YouTube where you can make a full-time Doesn't living. it all surprise me? It's so easy to get burnt out as a YouTuber. I think we both know this. One. Oh yeah, 100%. And then just Intimately. even to <laughs> crack the code and get in there. And, oh, it's, it's crazy. And you see all these people teaching it and they're teaching you that, hey, just make a video every day for a thousand keep, days. You'll be a millionaire. You're um, like, oh, I proved that wrong. <laughs> 100%. Like that doesn't work. You don't and know he did that. <laughs> And it's one of those things where it's, that's the kind of stuff is it's that between passion and shiny object or what, like people used to always, because my parents were in television, very successful. I'm a funny guy. So they would say, how come you never got into television? Or how come you never got into comedy? Because I was behind the curtain for most of my life and saw the amount of work and just even the pettiness. I saw people yeah. that they would tape the show, the tonight show, they would tape the show in Vegas and one of the pages got like a really nice seat, like first class with somehow an antiquity mishap. And he didn't look for a producer to be like, Hey, I've got a first class. You want to sit there? I'll sit here. And the kid got fired over it. that kind of stuff. Oh, and it's, what did he do wrong? He got a first class seat. Probably didn't know that there's this rule. You got to go find someone higher than you and you give up your seat. This is awesome. First class. I saw all that. I saw what that did. And I was like, I don't want any of that. It's like not everything. What is the saying? Not everything that glitters is gold. Without a doubt, it's, or that people think that when you see someone, when you look at Dave Chappelle and you see him doing these specials or giving up money or Seinfeld passing up 110 million for the last one season, one more season of Seinfeld will give you 110 million. He's now you're crazy. I'm good. 
it's yeah. that's when you realize this must be a lot harder and lot. terrible and it's the same thing it's funny i think about all this stuff there's majority of people would love to go in a grocery store and get recognized and have to sign mm. an autograph and get the, someone wants to take a picture with you after the millionth time of that it's no fun anymore Probably yeah, not. I've been it, recognized like a couple times and I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> pretending you don't know me. It's not just entertainment. It's every industry. It's actually one of the reasons I don't have any desire whatsoever to be a speaker anymore because I've been disenchanted by what really is going on behind the scenes, like who 100%. these people really are that represent themselves certain ways and how the, the conferences pay or don't pay or take care of, or how they choose speakers. And it's just dirty. It's all bleh, nah, not for me. So it might be for someone else. I am not saying you shouldn't do it. It's just not for me. And but, I, I think yeah. too, the, that was the reinventing and the pivoting. My where I was known was in a certain industry and I didn't right. even try to You've hold completely... on to that. I, I completely pivot into an industry where I can, it's funny to walk into the RVDA show in 2020 versus 2021, that one year difference. It was a lot different. I went from not, oh, sure. no one be like, Hey, there's Damien to the, like, Hey, there's Damien. How's the magazine, blah, blah, blah. But it was scary to, I've spent so much time networking. And I remember recently I went through my Facebook and was like, that's from the old industry. That's from the old. In I did that with my LinkedIn. Like I went through my LinkedIn Just and don't deleted. unfriend me. Okay. D no, I won't. Just don't I won't do ever. it because <laughs> I'm from your former industry. <laughs> and what I thought was the craziest part when I did that with my LinkedIn, I had people from, and, and I could tell you that like the decade of my life, like here are all like when I had my own business, here's the chamber stuff. Here's the mattress people. Mm. Here's the social media marketing world. And was just able to delete all of that and say, I want to focus my career now moving forward with this nomad RV lifestyle. But right. those are the people, especially within LinkedIn that I want to be connected to. I got rid of 85% of my connections and, and a good portion of my connections didn't even have a photo anymore. It's like they deleted their accounts. So they weren't really connections. And I know, guess what, folks? I went under that 500 plus on LinkedIn where it doesn't say 500 or more. It's under that now. And you know exactly how many connections I have, but everyone that I'm connected with on LinkedIn still, I actually know or want to really know. Idea. And it's just that kind of stuff that I, and Talk I get about like this, really reinventing yourself though, going and just being like, that's all the past. Yeah. It no longer serves me. I'm completely jumping ship from an old industry and, and going after this thing that I want. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> David, I've taken up tons of your time today. It's always, I feel like I should always just book you for three hours because <laughs> we always get so into, are there any key takeaways, anything that you want to give to people as they're listening, we had a, we started off with this theme of like reinvention it is something you could do at any age, really. And certainly you should, but then man, we covered a lot of really crazy themes that are really important, but I'm going to leave it to you. What are your key takeaways that you can give people? Cause we can only live the life we're living and we can only give advice based off of what we've experienced. But I think mm. that each person has an incredibly valuable gift to give to other people through that experience. And you especially have had quite a fun reinvention. So what is your closing statement, sir? I would say, so I'll do it in three little segments. I think your past, whether good or bad, you should let it go. I think a lot of people, whether they've had a really bad past, they hold on to that as who they are and it's an anchor. Mm. I think people that were very successful at a young age 
hold on to that crown and soapbox to a point where it's not relevant anymore today. Just be okay to let go of your past because really it doesn't really mean anything at all. Even your degrees or your time on a certain thing or who your parents were or not or went to jail, didn't go to jail, whatever it is, you got to get rid of that. The other thing is the fear factor. The fear factor is the biggest thing. It, it stops us from doing pretty much everything. And, and then really fear without doing anything becomes regret later. And I think it, you really need a couple good sounding board people in your life that you can bounce ideas off that, especially if you're someone that has a lot of them, you want to have people that are going to be like, oh, this again. You want people that are going to listen to you. But I think it's important to set realistic timelines. There's no reason to go broke trying to start something. I, I think about Elon Musk and good for him that he almost ran through all of his, whatever it was, PayPal money, and he turned it around. But there was a chance where he would have ran through $300 million and lost everything. And there's more of the 300 million stories and losing everything than there are the turnarounds. And I think a lot of right. us, at some point, we just need to be satisfied with where we're at. That's a little segment too. I think a lot of people look at their business, whether they own a job or they own a business. Those are two different things. And a lot of people get caught up in it. Sometimes you can make more money and have more freedom just owning your job and you try to transfer that into a business and it absolutely drains you, but you did it for mm -hmm. ego. You did it for people around you for whatever reason. So just stay in those lanes too, I think. And you're never too young or too old to start, quit, or do something else. And even if you've been in, you're just, I love seeing the big pivots where people are like, this is what Me I've too. been doing for the last 15 years. I've interviewed tons of people, 20 year cops. 15 year anything. And they've been like, no, I just pivoted to now I'm going to do woodworking. And my greatest example of this is George Bush 2.0. And I'm not getting political in any way. And I don't know this for sure. But what I see is a guy that did what his dad and family wanted him to do. I see a man now that's a painter. He's damn near a comedian. He's so freaking funny. He seems so much happier in life. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird where I, I can look at that and pinpoint it. That guy was doing something for someone else. I don't believe that man wanted to be president. We live in a country where even if you don't want to be president, you can become president. And it's just true. great to see him doing his thing now. And I think, and I think that's hard for a lot of people too, is I think the big thing is when people hit like a really cool career milestone or something, and they just fall down a little, or they step back a little, whatever, it ruins them. I'm like, why? Just pivot, do something else, enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, don't hang on to one time I made $100,000 a year or one day I made $100,000 a month. The one time 10 years ago. Yeah, just don't. You're just exactly. You're never, exactly. you're never too old. You could be a 51 year old that's saying, you know what? Maybe I really will go all in on YouTube. And that's not a platform for 51 year olds. But is it? Can it, it be? I feel like it could be. I feel, I feel like, like this thing. The, I would say that. If all you did, this is a great example. If you went out and went full into YouTube and at the end of the day, all you did was have this great like catalog of you and what you were doing. Awesome. If the next thing was you really inspired people that you couldn't see on YouTube because you didn't see the 50 year old that was developing a ranch, or whatever, then you've got that niche for yourself and maybe it'll take off. Either one of those, whether you have the catalog for yourself, for your family, for your grandkids, whatever, or it becomes successful. There's not a negative in that. There shouldn't be any right. fear in that. And I know we right. can make fear. What if it falls? It might fall. But that is something I, th I think you should also set a timeline for it. I'm going to do it for a year. If I haven't hit this kind of goal, then maybe I need to do it part-time sometime. But if I hit this goal, then maybe I do go into it full-time. But Right. Just I like that, setting goals. Yeah, I think because we do. We get caught doing something for decades. 
and not being successful, or we give up too early. And I think you need to have somewhere in the middle. My example for full-time RVing is if you're going to do it for a year, at least, no matter what. Because there is and a get the get the magazines. We got yeah, rootless, get the magazines are a big help. Rootless living. And I don't have my my RV today. I didn't become a subscriber, but you did send me. I got yeah, props. there you go. See, <laughs> we got the both of them right here. Very nice. Awesome. So be sure to check those out. Fantastic having you and chatting with you. Have a wonderful day, David. I will catch up with you later. Thanks right, again. Right. Bye, Kelly. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to Damien and I chat. And also thank you to Damien for taking the hour of chatting that we had. I, I always have such a wonderful time catching up with Damien. If you want to learn more about Damien's magazines, you can check out Rootless Living, his uh, digital magazine, which I actually get in print and it's totally worth getting in print. It's a wonderful magazine. It's rootless, R-O-O-T-L-E-S-S, living.com, rootlessliving.com. And then his new magazine, RV Today, can be found at rvtoday.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to share it. If you know anyone who's wanting to get into the nomad, rootless living lifestyle or wants to get into RVing, be sure to check out Damien's magazines and feel free to reach out to D. And just thanks for being a great listener. And I will catch you next time here on Business as Unusual.